0: Hey guys, it's not too late to start a subscription to one of our trading card boxes for yourself or that special someone swing by herohabit.com today, pick your favorite teams and we'll send you a box of cards every month. We do the searching and sorting for you. And we randomly insert autographs, relics, and short print cards too. We have subscription boxes for baseball, football, and basketball available for $15 a month and mystery boxes for music, TV, comic book, movie, and WWE, which uh, have a guaranteed hit in every box. Oh, and did I mention shipping is free? Visit herohabit.com today and sign up using coupon code podcasts to save 15% off your first month. That's herohabit.com, coupon code podcasts to save 15% on your first month of boxes. Hello, hello, happy Monday. This is the Kings and Beats Daily, your favorite daily podcast devoted to the kinks and the Beatles because as far as I know we're the only one but that still makes it a true statement today we are talking about kind of a a hidden gem for the Beatles even though it was a moderate hit um, you don't hear it terribly often and it's a song I kind of ignored for a while called baby you're a rich man it was released July 7th 1967 as the b-side of all you need is love and if this tells you anything about the output of this band at that time, they released Sgt. Pepper forty two days earlier. And then like like that wasn't enough. They released All You Need Is Love, the single back with the uh, Baby You're a Rich Man. Not even a month and a half later. I mean, that's pretty incredible work ethic. There's no band nowadays that would be that uh, a month and a half after releasing the most important album of their career to that point, they're popping out another single and they're working on a movie and, and all that kind of stuff. It's pretty incredible. It was, um, written for the yellow submarine film. They were putting together some tunes for the movie. Uh, this one is very brief. It's not in there very long. Um, but it is on the soundtrack remix that they did in 1999. But uh, it eventually, like I said, ended up as a B-side in America where B-sides could actually chart. It did crack the top 40 and peaked at number 34 uh, on the billboard charts, which is kind of surprising. This song does not sound like a typical Beatles song. And I think part of it is uh, it was recorded at Olympic Sound, which was an independent uh, music st- uh, recording studio and up to that point everything they had done was at EMI which is now known as Abbey Road Studios and so because this was uh, independent they didn't have to follow the same rules for recording that they did at EMI. EMI was very strict they had you know you couldn't put the mics a certain distance from the bass drum head and bass guitars had to be recorded a certain volume like they were very strict about where things could max out And I think because of that, this song has a very distinctly different sound um, than any other track to that point, and kind of from the whole catalog. And it opens up, you've got this piano that sounds uh, incredible. I love the sound of the piano on this track. But you've got Paul's bass, he's got like this thumping um, muted string. They say, Duk, dutka, dunk du dunk du 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 and then when he actually lays down the finger and creates a tone out of it it's just this gorgeous tone but it's a cool effect coming out of nowhere so he's using it as a percussion instrument before he's using it as a, a, a melodic instrument uh, and then he's just kind of scooping all over the place but the the line on this is just driving from the very start whether he's playing an actual note or not um, which in the case of the opening, he's not. And then you've got this cool little instrument called the, uh, clavio line, which I'm assuming I'm pronouncing that right. You don't hear about it very often. Um, I don't know of another song that the Beatles even used it on, but John is playing it. It, The clavio line was, uh, it came before the Moog, which was like the synthesizer of choice by 1969 and into the seventies. um, and it was it was uh, homophonic, so you could only play one note at a time. And so John is playing that you hear in the left channel a lot. He's got it set to the oboe patch, and he's just messing around with it, you know, just playing a thousand notes. And it kind of has a vaguely Indian sound to it, um, which fit because the Indian or the Indians, the Beatles were using Indian instruments all over the place by this point. So it kind of fits in that style, but um. So he's using that. You've got Paul doing this real inventive bass line. You've got George kind of deep in the mix, unfairly, I think, um, because it sounds like he's doing some really cool guitar work where he's kind of mimicking Paul's muted bass line um, and keeping that chunk, chuck a chunk, chuck a chunk, chuck a chunk, 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 chunk that, that groove going. But he's doing these little licks. All throughout the whole song, that kind of get buried in the mix. And because that shares a channel with the clavio line, it gets buried, you know, in the in, um, amongst that um, particular instrument, which is kind of unfair. But there's some cool guitar work going on. Ringo's drum work is really good in this. It, it takes a while for this song to to get into a groove, but it grooves right out of the gate. Um, If that makes any sense. But you hear like during the, how does it feel to be one of the beautiful people? Ringo's basically just filling through that whole thing. You know? um, And so it's not really, it kind of comes in and out of a steady groove, but even that part is still groovy because of what Paul and George are doing on their instruments. So it's a cool, just the sound of this uh, record is, is cool. I think, and it's one of those tunes, and I hinted at this yesterday, or at the end of the podcast on Friday. Um, it's one of those tunes I never gave a lot of attention to. It, uh, you know, it's not my favorite song of theirs, and it is kind of weird, and it's on an album I love, but I don't listen to a ton. So it's, it's one of those things that I kind of just, when it was on, it was on. And when it was, you know, it wasn't one that I, I searched out very often. And then one day, a couple years ago, I was driving in the car and I had the stereo up full blast, you know, and it was on shuffle or whatever. And this song came up randomly and full blast in the car gave me a new appreciation for it because this song is tough to listen to on headphones. And as many times as I've said, you have to listen to it on the headphones uh, full blast this is a tough song to listen to on headphones it is panned all over the place real hard pans to the left and to the right um and the mix does not sound great on headset but full blast in the car or on a good you know stereo system in your house the stereo mix does sound pretty cool and and listening to it in the car that day all of a sudden it's like this song there's a lot going on. It's got a really cool groove to it. It really rocks. Um, John's vocal is really cool, even though it's a lot of it's in the falsetto. He's coming in and out of a falsetto effortlessly. Um, but there's a lot of cool moments in this in his vocal delivery on this one. And then the chorus is just a catchy sing song chorus. So this tune is a, a true Lennon McCartney. Uh, collaboration. Lennon wrote the "How Does It Feel to Be" section, and then Paul had this chorus, and they worked it out together. And um, and it's you know the 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 verse and the lyric don't necessarily make sense lyrically together. The verse and the chorus don't make sense lyrically together, but musically it it is a pretty seamless um, blending of the two songwriters. And in the chorus, I'm not going to play today. There's not much to play on this song, but in the chorus, there's a cool moment that I want you to listen for. I have pulled out the score here. So we've got baby, you're a rich man on a G chord. Then he goes, baby, you're a rich man on a C chord. Then baby, you're a rich man on a G chord and then two on a C chord. So we're just going back C to G, C to G, not a big deal. But when he gets to, you keep all your money in a big brown bag inside a zoo, then it's get interesting. We go, you keep all on a B-flat 6 chord. Maybe I will play this. Hang on. I have not rehearsed this, so bear with me. So it's, you know, baby, you're a rich man. Then we've got a B-flat 6. I'm sorry, B-flat 6. And then a G7 with a B in the bass. So you're going up a half step to the C. So you've got B flat chord to the G7 to the C. Now it's a cool uh, hook and that B flat six kind of comes out of nowhere. It's not in the key signature anywhere. It's, it's, it's a cool little hook, but what really gets me, and this is maybe what I noticed, um, on top of George's guitar playing in the left channel, which was the driver's side when I had this epiphany a while ago. But if you listen to that lick, really focus on the bass, that chromatic movement from the B flat to the B to the C, the don, 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 is so cool. And it's like, it's kind of a heavy metal move. It's It really adds some, some weight to this kind of fluffy chorus, which up to that point was just going back, you know G to C, and Paul was playing arpeggios. He's going G B D B, which is just an arpeggio on a G chord, and then what's he doing? Then he just does a C E G E when he gets to the C chord. So he is literally just spelling out the the chords. Dun dun ding dun 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 ding dun 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 ding dun. Just arpeggios, and then he gets to that, and he's driving eighth notes, and and. Uh, and there's a couple 16th notes and he's all dun, 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 dugga, dun, 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 dun. And that little movement that, that two 16th notes on the B flat going into the straight eights on the B natural is a cool little bass move. And I wonder if we would have heard it had this been recorded at EMI because the bass wouldn't have been this up front at the time. The song was eventually released in America uh, on an album, on the Magical Mystery Tour album, in November 27th, 1967. So a few months later, ready for Christmas. Magical Mystery Tour is a very strange moment in Beatles history because, as I've mentioned before, the American label, Capitol, would take a Beatles release and they would release a 14-song album. They would take two of the songs off of that album and stockpile them with a bunch of singles and mix all the track listings up. And then they would get extra albums out of it because the Beatles had all these singles that weren't on British albums. And uh, so you've got all these American albums that are distinctly different. When Magical Mystery Tour came out, it was actually a double EP. And all it had was the music from the Magical Mystery Tour movie so it's just a soundtrack double ep and what america did was they took that double ep made it the a side and then for the b side compiled a bunch of singles that hadn't been issued on any records so you've got strawberry fields and penny lane and hello goodbye all you need is love and baby you're a rich man as the b side to the magical mystery tour soundtrack Flash forward, when it comes time to put out the CDs, all of the singles that weren't issued on albums were released on past masters. You would assume that uh, the Magical Mystery Tour leftovers would would have had the same uh, treatment. But instead, the Beatles' official canon now has one American pressing. The Magical Mystery Tour album that we got here in the States is now the official canon. So all the CDs and all that kind of uh that have come out since the remasters in 2009, all that stuff is now the American version of Magical Mystery Tour, not the British EP. So Past Masters has no songs from 1967 on it because they were all the singles from that year were tacked onto the back of Magical Mystery Tour. So that's a cool little thing. Um, there is a mono version of this song. I couldn't find it anywhere on YouTube and I don't own the mono boxes. I'd imagine on headphones that it sounds better. It should sound different because there was an effect that was used on the mono that they couldn't recreate for the stereo mix. So none of the stereo mixes have this effect. And I've never heard the mono version to even really know what the effect was, but I suspect it's on John's voice. Um, So if you have a copy of the mono mix of this tune that you could send to me, beats at herohabit.com. I would love to hear it uh, because I've never heard it before. So, this is the rare instance when I'm begging to hear the mono version because I typically would rather hear the stereo. So, that's it. Go and listen to this tune, not on headphones, but full blast in your car or something, um, and really listen to that bass line. listen to that movement on the You uh, Keep All Your Money. That one measure, that's the—it's such a cool little bar of Paul's bass that I really love. Um, and again, if you've got the mono version, send it my way. You can give me a call, 925-494-1739. I want to hear about your favorite or your least favorite tracks from the Beatles or the Kinks. And you can tell me about all the tracks you want. I just ask that you do it in separate voicemails so that I can use them on their respective um, podcast episodes. But I'd love to hear from you. And as always, swing by Hero Habit or follow us on the social medias um, at Hero Habit. But if you visit the website, we do have those Beatles and Kinks um, uh, discussion groups that I'd really love to see get going. All right. Tomorrow, Tuesday, we are um, doing a Dave Davies tune. I'm going to leave it at that. All right. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening as always.